0: Well, I don't know about anybody else, but I was kind of looking forward to hearing Brother Kingsbury today. (laughs) But the Lord has other plans. But I am definitely appreciative of the opportunity. The first time I was here for the conference, I was a little guy. I don't know how big I was, but I've been to the first conference right on through, haven't missed a conference. And if you'd told me then that I'd be preaching here now... Well, I'm just glad that nobody ever did, I guess, I'll <laughs> we'll put it that way. Uh, but definitely God has put us on a pilgrimage of faith, and I'm going to share some of that today. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 4 to begin with, and this will be the text for the introduction, and then we'll go over to our main text for the sermon. I want to deal with the subject of unbelief this afternoon. But we're going to come at it from a little bit of a roundabout way, because unbelief is one of those sins that is hard to see. It's kind of like pride. Uh, how many in here are full of pride? You know, That's uh, not something we want to uh, say about ourselves. And it's, pride is a very subtle sin, very slippery. And so is unbelief. Both unbelief and pride are deadly to the Christian life, deadly to ministry, and we've got to know where that is and, with God's help, be able to get rid of it by the grace of God. But this matter of unbelief is something that I'm battling all the time. I'm sure you are as well. I want us to look at the theme of this would be faith versus unbelief. I'll give you the title here of the message in just a moment. But here in 1 Corinthians 4, we'll look at verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And anybody here tonight, or this afternoon, if I asked you, what is the one requirement of a steward? You've got one shot. I think we'd all come up with the same word. We would all say Faithful. You've got to be faithful if you're going to be a steward for God, faithful in his cause. What I see today as a young man traveling in the ministry of evangelism, I see faithfulness, the word faithful, faithfulness, the idea of faithfulness being talked much about, but I see a different definition being attached to that word, a different concept than what I read in the Bible, The matter of faithfulness really is the key to the Christian life, but we really need to understand biblically what faithful and faithfulness is. I trust God will help us with that. As we get started here this this afternoon, we have a a time of prayer. Lord, I pray that you would help us now as we look into your word. And Lord, I pray that your word would speak. Uh, Lord, would uh, there be no distractions? Uh, Would you just undertake... And I pray, Lord, that uh, the truth would be clear and that the truth would set us free. Uh, Lord, we do need to walk by faith. And so I pray that you would put us on that pathway of faith. And I pray again, Lord, as I've been praying throughout this day, that in this session, you would unveil and unmask unbelief where it is lurking in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if we're going to think about the word faithful, we need to think of it in terms of its family, the family of words. Now, I was no Greek scholar in college, uh, but I know enough to be dangerous. And the, the word faithful has a root in the Greek, and there's a lot of words uh, that are in that family come out of the same root. You've got uh, two words that look almost identical. And I always had to think about this when I saw on a vocab test, you've got the word for faith, and the word for faithful. And any of you Greek students know they look a lot alike in the Greek. Only one word is, di- only one letter is different. Uh, to use the English to spell it, p i s t i s or p i s t o s. One meaning faith, one meaning faithful. And the idea of faithfulness and to be faithful cannot be divorced from faith itself. You've got the verb form, meaning to believe. Uh, faithful will be the adjective, faith being the noun. It's a family. It all sticks together. But I see that faithfulness has been taken away from the family of faith as it's defined Oftentimes, maybe not by word, but practically. There's the idea today of this concept that we need to just be faithful. Just be faithful. Now, depending on how you define that, I either say a hearty amen or a hearty oh my. Because the Bible does say, simply here, it's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. But we must keep it in the biblical context. The idea of just be faithful, by many of our just-be-faithful Baptists, and I'll talk more about that as we go, is kind of more of a way out than it is a way in. Now, I'll tell you this hypothetical story, but it's really it's really not, it's, it's been a story that has been written throughout the ages and is being written all over the globe as I speak. A young man gets saved, surrenders his life to the Lord, uh, starts to take some steps of faith, God calls him to preach. Oh boy, he's scared to death, but he knows God is in it, so he takes some steps of faith, he's, he's on that pilgrimage of faith. He goes to Bible college. He hears great preaching. Uh, He he has many mentors in his life. Many old men or older men are are coming along. Sorry. (laughs) Older men are exemplifying for him uh, this walk of faith. And he's being challenged and stirred and and saying, boy, I want to walk by faith. And uh, he goes out, graduates from college, and he boards the ship of the good old ship of faith. And he raises the flag of faith high, and it's flapping there in the wind, and he is excited to to chart this course. Who knows where it's going to go, but it's going to be good. And God's going to do something. And and I've heard all about it in college, and I've seen some things, and, and we're headed out, and so he sets his sails to catch the wind of the Spirit, and whoosh, those sails... To, uh, just get that wind and off they go through uh, that waters, the, the, the sea of faith. But those waters get troubled and the storms come. And I tell you, uh, having those sails up, catching all that wind, that's kind of troublesome when it's stormy. And I thought this was going to be easy. Well, it's not easy. I-, I thought I was doing the right thing. Well, no, we got a bunch of trials and and what happens is the devil begins to launch an all-out, intense, uh, uh, day-by-day onslaught on his faith. The devil's just trying to win that battle. And the time gets worse, and the waters get rough, and lo and behold, he, he loses a mast. That wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, what in the world? I'm walking by faith here, and oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. And then some more seasoned sailor pulls his ship alongside this young man and hops on board. Ah, let me help you out with a few things I've learned. You've got a lot of youthful zeal, sailor, but you need a new flag. Oh, I can't have a new flag. Are are you kidding? Take down my flag of faith? (laughs) Never! Never! Well, look at that flag, it's tattered, it's torn, it's, it's, it's a mess. You need a new tag, a new flag. Well, I'm certainly not hoisting the flag of unbelief. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to go there, no. Uh, just would you hoist this flag of faithfulness? Uh, hey, it's, it's, it's really what you need. What you need is to just be faithful, you see, you're trying to bite off more than you can chew. You're trying to do too much. You're putting yourself in some awful predicaments here, and this is not really what God expects. God doesn't need this out of you. All God wants is for you to just, and the emphasis here is on the just, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Okay, well, that sounds really good. I mean, faithful, faith, sure. So they take down the flag of faith, and let's hoist up hoist up the flag of faithfulness. Now, in doing so, they bring down all the sails. Now, whoa, 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 why are you doing that, the young man says. Oh, well, because uh, that's not necessary. Well, we have to. No, 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 those, those sails, you, you saw what trouble happened there. No, when you're flying the flag of just be faithful... You just get to coast and let the tide do the rest and don't worry brother you'll come to the golden shore in God's good time and it'll be great just let God bring you in and it's going to be a lot better and sure enough he's right the water is not nearly so rocky when you take the sails down I mean all of a sudden it's smooth sailing We're, we're not doing so bad And we're feeling pretty good. The ship is in great shape. We've restored the mast. Never mind, there's no sails. But we've restored the mast. We've swabbed the deck. We've cleaned it all up. It's great. The the company is, is all happy. We're not working so hard. What were we so bent on doing before? Ah, we have finally found the epiphany of life. Just be faithful. Now, I'd like us to move over to Matthew chapter 25, where we'll spend the rest of our time. When we typically think about faithfulness, there are certain thoughts that come to mind. Someone says, praise God for brother so-and-so and and sister so-and-so. 60 years of faithfulness in marriage. We understand what they're saying. That's totally, gentlemen, we we, we know what they're saying. Amen, hallelujah, we say. Somebody says, and brother so-and-so over here, he has faithfully been in church ever since the doors were opened. Praise God for his faithfulness. We understand what he's saying there. In fact, I heard about a guy who had been so faithful to church that one morning he did not show up. They knew something had to be wrong, and so they sent people to his house to see what was wrong, because he should be there, and sure enough, he had a heart attack. They were able to save his life, so faithfulness to church saved his life. you got to think about that. (laughs) But he was faithful to church, never missed. That's faithfulness. You think of someone who gives to the church every week, week in, week out, faithfully. This is all legitimate uh, understanding of faithfulness. But I, what I'm getting to is this. When we really think about what, what faithfulness is, what it means to be faithful, those things I just mentioned are really the result of faithfulness. Faithfulness itself is not just the persistence in certain things, but the faith that leads us to that persistence. It's not merely just consistency. But there's a motive, an underlying reason for why I'm consistent. For instance, why come to church on time? Why? Because I was taught that. And I'm going to have my kids in church on time because we're faithful Baptists. No, I'm here on time because I believe God's going to work. and I'm not going to miss a moment of it. Why be faithful and soul winning? Uh, Because that's just what faithful Baptists do. We, we go out soul winning. No! We go out soul winning because we have an expectation of what God is about to do. We've just come off of our knees in a prayer meeting where we've gotten a hold of some promises. Maybe we've gotten rid of some sin and we've surrendered some things, whatever, but we, we are being compelled to go. We're trusting God and it's faith that drives us. And that bottom-line, underlying faith is the key to faithfulness. I believe this passage here helps us with this. And you'll see where we're going with this, uh, but here in Matthew 25, we'll begin reading in verse 14, the Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To eat, to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Now, stopping here for a moment, we've got three servants. Three servants all just received something from their master, and now we would call them three what? Stewards. Three stewards, because they now have a stewardship that they have received they need to care for, they're responsible for. All right, we go back to verse sixteen. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded. Uh, went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Now, if we did not have the rest of the passage, if that is all we knew, we might not come out the same place this passage comes out. Now, I want to take this passage of Scripture, and I'd like us to look at it from the just be faithful Baptist point of view, if we could do that. So, as we're looking at this, we have servant number one. We'll just start there. Servant number one, and we're going to call him the gifted servant. He's the gifted servant, he's the talented servant. He's the one that has it all together. All right, we like these guys, don't we? Man, they get stuff done. If it wasn't for these gifted, talented fellas, I mean, obviously, I'm not gifted. Uh, Obviously, God can't expect much of me. But boy, from a just-be-faithful Baptist point of view, we praise God for these five-talent Christians. Where would the world be without them? Now, a little question for you here. How many of you would humbly raise your hand and consider yourself a five-talent Christian? Whoa, at the victory conference? Not two five-talent Christians to put together? Oh, my, we're in a world of hurt then. Because the five-talent Christians are supposed to get it all done. I mean, from the Just Be Faithful Baptist point of view, we say, praise God for this brother over here. He's got gifts I don't have, talents I don't have. He can do things I haven't even thought of yet. Man, let me give him some money and send him out the door. And we're praying for your brother. You know? Now we also take great comfort in verse, uh, let me see here, verse 15. We take great comfort in verse 15 as just be faithful, Baptists. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. Isn't that comforting? Because you and I both know we don't have several abilities. I mean, I'm just little old me, and you're just little old you. Isn't it good that God thought of that and and is letting us off the hook here? Isn't it great that God does not expect anything of me? Oh, boy. Sure would hate to be that five-talent guy. You know, we can take great comfort in in this verse. Because when we look at ourselves, we see our weakness, our inability. We see all of our problems, our issues. And we know we can't get anything done for God. And so these five-talent Christians, these are truly, these are the ones that God is going to use to change the world. The gifted ones. And then you have the second guy, our second steward. And uh, he's a little bit different, but we're going to call him the overachieving steward from the Just Be Faithful Baptist point of view. He's the overachieving steward. Why? Well, look at it. We're we're down here in uh, verse... 17, likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. Now, surely he didn't have to do that. He wasn't nearly as gifted as the five talent guy. He only had two. I mean, the five talent individual had more than double what this guy had. And yet he went out and doubled his. He only had two to play with. If he had lost his two, that was it. At least the five-talent guy had five. And if he lost one or two, well, you know. This guy had two. Oh, you didn't have to do that, fella. But boy, we like people like you. We like that initiative. You know, take some risks. I love to watch other people take risks. Man, that's good stuff. And so we, we get encouraged by this guy. Youthful zeal, whew, I tell you. But we look on here and we see this one who just had one talent. And what did he do? Verse 18, he did a very rational, level headed thing. Well, to, a just be, to a just be faithful Baptist point of view, this makes a lot of sense. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. What would you do? I don't know about you folks, but this makes a lot of sense to me. The Lord is coming back. I have to give an account for this. I don't have five to play with. I don't have two to play with. I've got one. We're hiding this. We're digging down, way down. And we're covering this over. We're going to guard it, and I'm going to be ready to present it to the Lord when he comes. And everyone says, amen. But now we have the day of reckoning. We're going to look at these three servants again. And After this day of reckoning, the Lord blows apart my nice little outline here. My gifted steward, my overachieving steward, and my faithful steward, the Lord didn't seem to see it that way. And we come and we look now at verse 19, and it says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And he said unto him, Well done, thou good and gifted servant. No. He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now, I'm starting to get a little nervous here because that took me by surprise. I'm the faithful servant. I'm the one who didn't take any risks. I'm the one who was who, who cautious and careful. And I'm not sure what he meant by that, but could that be true? He goes on in verse, 20, uh, in verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest with me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. Now, certainly, this man cannot get the same answer as the first man got. But I'll read verse 23, and you look at verse 21 and see how they sound. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. It's the same thing. Now we're getting really nervous because we're next and we're totally confused. This makes absolutely no sense. First of all, where in this passage of Scripture did he tell them to go out and, 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 and double their money? It's not in there. This couldn't have been an expectation, Right? And second of all, this doesn't make any sense, we think, because how could a guy who goes out and turns 5 into 10, and a guy who turns 2 into 4, get the exact same commendation from the king? How in the world? Then we start thinking about it, and we start doing the math, we realize, wait a minute. Five doubled, two doubled, ah, they did the same thing. They really did the same thing. And so now we're starting to realize, so this maybe not may not be so much a matter of how much gifts I have. Now we're really nervous. You know, on this point, folks, going back to verse 15, to each man according to his several abilities, I'm telling you, we take that the wrong way. That's not a way out. No, what that is is a way of encouraging us. That you know no matter what abilities you have, if you walk by faith, you can be rewarded equally just like anybody else who has more gifts than you can even think of. The issue is not you. The issue is him. How do we access him? Faith. Faith, the issue. So we come down now to our... Faithful servant. At least we think he's faithful, he's got to be faithful. Verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawd. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Now we sometimes picture this guy kind of all mamby-pamby at this point he just sees his head on the chopping block and his head's about to roll he's just oh you know oh i don't see that at this point i think he is maybe a little bit confused but no i think he's 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 doing it this way lord i knew you i knew you who you were you're a hard man Oh, you expect your expectations are, are something, and I, I I know you, Lord. And being as the fact that I only had one talent, I could not take risks with that one talent. And so, Lord, I did a very rational thing. I dug down, made sure no one was around. I hid that thing, buried it. I've been sitting on that thing ever since. A little sore, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and I can just see that guy sitting there. <laughs> He's got that thing guarded. He's going to guard it till Jesus comes. Amen? And he uh, he sees the Lord now and he says, But Lord, here it is. I've polished it. Oh, it's looking good. And there thou hast that is thine. And his ears are waiting for the wonderful words. And he hears these words. Thou wicked and slothful servant. Who came in? Thou wicked and slothful servant. Oh, he couldn't be talking about me. And now he begins to hear his own words turned against him. His own words he was judged by. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gatherest where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I tell you, this thing turned on him in a hurry. I want you to see something with me here. At this day of reckoning, what happened... That was so amazing was a mask was pulled off. Oh, yeah, he had a nice mask, a mask of faithfulness, a mask of a good, godly servant doing what God has left him to do. This was no rebel this wasn't the guy who ran off with the Lord's money to spend it on whatever he wanted to sp- No, this is the guy who's pouring over it, who's who's watching it. This is the guy who's the good guy. He's got this wonderful mask of faithfulness to his Lord. And the Lord reaches over, grabs that thing, rips it off, and exposes a face of wicked vile unbelief that had been spiritualized. Oh, it was very pious unbelief. But it's unbelief just the same, and it stinks just as much in the nostrils of God. Unbelief is sin, no matter what spin you put on it. And the matter of of it is this. Satan knows faith is the issue. And so Satan comes after our faith with all that he has. And if he can get us to drop the shield of faith, then the darts come in and then we're done. There's an attack on our faith today. Young, old, and everything else. There is an attack on our faith. And sometimes we give in. But we don't want to give in and quit. We've got too much pride for that. So we give in nonetheless and spin it. With a spiritual spin. And we're just plugging along in our dead programs. Plugging along in our daily duties. Plugging along in that weekly evangelism. Plugging, plugging, plugging till Jesus comes. The sails have been taken down. A new flag flies in its place. We're just being faithful, brother. And it's a wonderful realization And our sea begins to settle, and we begin to coast, and it feels really good, but it's wicked unbelief. You know, nobody said faith was going to be easy. But I will tell you this, faith accesses grace. And when you're walking by faith, accessing grace, there is an aspect of it that is, in a sense, easy. What does he say? My, my, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is, is, is light. There it is. When we are connected to him and being carried by his grace. but well, I tell you, sometimes we just get totally Blown about on the storm of faith, and we cave—we absolutely cave in. Now, here's this fella, and he receives some some horrible words from the Lord. Everything that he has, he loses. And it's interesting who who receives the guy with the ten. Oh, God's not interested in numbers anymore. No, God's not interested in numbers. You know, God just wants us to be faithful. Well, you know, I'm not all about counting numbers just to count numbers. But if a number is a soul, then that's exciting. And if a number is speaking of something God did, then that's a wonderful thing. And yes, numbers can be inflated and numbers can be worshipped and numbers can get out of hand. But you can fall off one side or the other, that whole numbers thing. I'm not against numbers as long as God's the one in the numbers. And I think if you're walking by faith, we ought to expect some numbers. And here's a guy who turned five into 10, and God gives him, now he's got 11. I, I don't think that's an accident there. But the bottom line is this fellow over here, the faithful, shall we say, servant of the bunch. He's left with nothing. I see a lot of churches. Oh, we are hoarding. We are intro, introverted, introspective. We're all on us. We've stopped reaching the world because we believe the world is too far gone. We, we don't minister to the world because in, in, in order to minister to the world, well, our, our, our families... We might jeopardize now i'm all for protecting your family i've got one i'm all for protecting them from the world but i think one of the most effective protections against the world the worldly influence in your family is to minister in the world that'll give you the right perspective of the world if your kids are, are helping you storm the gates of hell The world's not gonna look so lucrative from that point of view. But we say, no, 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 we can't go there. We can't risk our family. We can't risk our church. Oh, we can't have we can't have a bus ministry. Who knows who might get on that bus? And who knows what they might do to our church. And, you know, all of these uh, evangelistic ministries are taking the focus off of, off of our discipleship. We need, to, we need to just tone that down, and, and we got to be careful here with us. And so we do. And then one day we lose that which we had. I don't know how many families that have sacrificed all to maintain the protection of their family, and they end up losing that family to the world. no faith. Churches that have just cut off all evangelism to focus on us. Oh no, we're losing the battle in here. So we'll we'll stop evangelism. Ah, you just went the wrong way. Now when you're having problems on the inside, it's probably because you're sitting around looking at each other. If I look at you long enough, I'm going to find something wrong. And if you look at me long enough, you're going to find something wrong. And so we have all these churches that just sit around looking at each other. And of course we find stuff wrong, and then when stuff goes wrong, we pull back even more of our, of our outreach and our evangelism and our faith ventures that God had led us to in some prayer meeting where God actually met with us. Things that God did, that's all forgotten now. We pull out, we get introspective, inverted all into ourselves, and the church goes up in smoke. And the Baptist church planning method happens. We're split, and now we've got two. And then split, and now it, that's not how it's supposed to be. I was driving down Division Road with my father-in-law, and he said, Huh, I'm looking for the Baptist church on the north side and the south side. Well, it was I thought, you know what? That's that's it. When well, we fail to walk by faith. We lose that which we had, and think of the anguish here. For unto every one of us that hath shall be given, and he uh, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away that which he hath, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's been all sorts of things written about that verse. Here's how I boil it down. You know, salvation and sanctification are parallel. As you receive Christ the Lord, so walk ye in him. The same way you got saved, the same way you walk. And you could apply this two ways. You know, when, when, a, when an individual is trying to get to heaven by having all of his ducks in a row and living a good, faithful life, is he going to make it to heaven? No. And is a Christian going to please God by just hanging in there, holding on, holding out, just kind of, quote, being faithful. No faith. No. There's going to be, bottom line, no matter how you take this verse, incredible anguish, incredible regret. When the mask is peeled off and you're left with your unbelief, rotten unbelief. Now, this is something that I'm learning more and more about as we travel in evangelism. But in evangelism, you do all sorts of different kinds of meetings, camp meetings, youth meetings, vacation Bible school. I do a lot with Minutemen Ministries in the summertime. Uh, I've been doing uh, some evangelistic, uh, evangelistic meetings, tent meetings, street preaching. I've been involved now recently, the last couple of years, doing soul-winning training seminars. And no matter what venue you're in, your faith's under attack. And, uh, and you're, you're, you're hanging on to that shield of faith for all you got. But I've seen something that's been very interesting. As we take this and apply it to evangelism specifically. Winning souls. As an evangelist, I sense the greatest battle in my soul-winning seminars... And it actually starts way before we ever get there. I've had uh, only two years now, or I'm in my second year, is that right? Something like that, around two years of uh, doing some soul winning seminars. And I have, and I've only been in evangelism five years. I have had more meetings cancel that were soul winning seminars than I have of anything else combined. And it's got to the point now where I can see it coming. And I can almost... Parrot lip sync with this guy. is going to say and at the end of the phone. We started on a high. Hey, soul winning, great. Yeah, we need to get some of that here. That's great. And then uh, we get talking and we get, swap some information, get some dates and so forth. And I get a call a little bit later. Uh, Brother Barber, the deacons don't like it. Uh, the deacons are not sure that this is the time uh, and not sure that the people are going to go for it. And so, I, you know, I'm just not sure how this is going to go, all right? We're on a very familiar trail at this point, and we're going down. I give a few words of encouragement and tell them I'm praying for them, and then pretty soon I get the next email or phone call. Yeah, no one's signing up for this thing. No one wants to go soul winning. Boy, uh, brother, I, I tell you, I don't know, but I, I, I just don't know if now's the time. I think we're just going to have to cancel, and maybe we'll do it some other time. And, and uh, the soul winning seminars, folks, I'm telling you, they are under attack before I get anywhere near the church. Now, revival meetings, that's no sweat. We do revival meetings all the time. Spring, fall, spring, fall, spring, fall, maybe even a summer. <laughs> if you're a pastor here, you've got stuff marked into your calendar for revival meetings till, well, till Jesus comes. Amen? Okay, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But the problem is sometimes we can, we can have like a VBS. You know, We can do some of these things and not walk by faith in those things. And this is really revealing, folks. When it comes down to soul winning, there's, it's hard to get around walking by faith in soul winning. It's just flat out hard. We maybe can make it work with Vacation Bible School, have the evangelistic team come in and do it for us. And that's not good, by the way. That's not what I'm trying to do. You can maybe get through a revival meeting like that too. Uh, You you know, sure. Hey, let's go sit down and hear this guy preach for five nights. How hard is that? Well, When it comes down to giving the gospel, where I'm taking you door to door, now the rubber meets the road. But you know, it's not just the people out there who are dealing, I'm dealing with this. How would you like to go soul winning every single week like I do? I don't even want to do it sometimes. But when you're on the Netcasters team, hey, (laughs) Lord help. One week, boy, bless this pastor. The Lord bless this pastor. This guy was so geared up and ready to go. We went out 17 times soul winning in one week. About killed my team and I. They went out more than me. But he That pastor went out, I think, 18 times. Went out once by himself while we were taking a break. And wouldn't you know it, we saw God do some incredible things. I'm out with that pastor to go visit the wife of a man that he had led to the Lord last week. I give the gospel. God is just giving grace. I'm clearly being divinely helped and she's just tracking with me. And I'm noticing the next-door neighbor is out in the yard, and he looked like a very needy young man in his young 20s. And I thought, I ought to go talk to him next. But I just kind of made a note, and now I'm talking to this lady, and she gets gloriously saved. At that time, her, her husband pulls in the driveway, he just got off of work. He gets out. She says, I got saved. He, oh, a big old hug. And well, it was exciting. It was great. And we go over discipleship with them a little bit. When we get done there, we go next door. We go into this house and we're talking to the guy on the on the on the uh, the the couch. He's not interested, but this twenty year old is. He's this guy I talk to you? We go out in the yard. He has been searching. He's at the end of his rope. He's looking for God, and he found him. And he prayed with people coming and going to that house. He prayed, got saved, reached in his pocket, grabbed a marijuana pipe, and chucked it across the street. Now, I never told him to do that, by the way. But well, the Lord did. Yeah, that's right. And the pastor and I, we go over to an apartment complex. He was burdened for. And there's a girl who got it prepared. She gets saved. I don't know how many people got saved that week. People came to the friend day. It was a great, glorious week. It was not because we just said, now we're going to go out this time, this time, and this time. And folks... It really doesn't matter what happens. The point is that we just go out. After all, the Bible says, some sows some water and God gives the increase. So we'll just leave it up to God and pretend that it's not even there. Now, actually, that verse is a great verse. Some sow some water, but God giveth the increase. Let's just emphasize the word giveth. So I expect it. Oh, why not? You know what happens is folks, we call ourselves faithful. Knock, knock, knock. Hello, did you want to get saved? No, nope, I didn't think so. Don't blame you. Bye. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Did you want to get saved? No, nope, that's all right. Sorry to bother you. You do that for a few times, look at your watch, and well, let's go for coffee. Hey, we were faithful. We did what we were supposed to do. And by the way, where was Joe? You know, Joe's not been faithful. Just be faithful, brother. Just be faithful. You know, what we want as Christians is we want the preacher just to tell us what to do. We want a, a structure, a framework, so that we can check those things and pillar our heads at night faithful. Like, for instance, the preacher comes in and preaches on soul winning. And he gives a lot of illustrations. And a lot of the illustrations happen to be about, for instance, uh here, here's one i heard excellent illustration glory to god this guy went in and he he was at a at a gas station at like two o'clock in the morning as he was driving to a meeting and he witnesses to the gas station clerk she gets down on her knees in the gas station and gets saved someone walks in to pay their the, the, their bill and sees this happening. Says, what's going on say, well this lady just got saved hey what about you Gives him the gospel. Next thing you know, they're all three on their, on their knees, and this guy's getting saved. Okay. And uh, we hear that, we get exc- excited, and we should get excited by that. Amen? Amen. And then the guy makes this, this uh, statement. Hey, give out tracts at the gas station. Amen. But here's what we just be faithful Baptists do. So what I need to do is religiously give out tracts to every gas station attendant, because we all know those are the wicked ones of the world if all of the gas station attendants would get saved, we'd have revival. Never mind anybody else. That wasn't in the sermon. But what he did say was give a tract to the clerk, those wicked clerks. You know, the ones at Walmart? these? <laughs> and so we go out into the world primed and ready to avoid as many clerks as we can. But when we've got to see one, the battle begins. And here we go. We've got our trusty tracks, you know. Here's a good trusty how track. And uh, we're at Walmart. And we're bummed out right now because the self-help line is broken. And so, okay, it must be the Lord. But I've got my trusty track. I only brought one. So here we go. It's a long line. Of course it's a long line. The self-checkout's broken. All these people in front of me, most of them Baptists probably. And we're looking at that clerk and she looks pretty wicked. She looks pretty scary. The worst thing about it is, I'm this much closer. Oh, what am I going to say? I'm so sweaty, this thing is about wrinkled by the time I get there. I can't even think, you know. Groceries, forget about the groceries, you know. Half the time, I end up leaving my groceries there, right? Have to come back and get them afterwards. But we're getting closer, closer. Oh. Oh, Lord, help me, I'm going to die. And here it is. And the whole time, there's this person over here that was talking to me about my, my cute kid. Now, why are they talking to me about my cute kid? I'm thinking about witnessing to this wicked clerk. <laughs> and there's this person over here who's wanting to interact with me. I don't want to interact with you. I'm trying to witness over here. I got to do this to be faithful. If I don't pillow my head tonight, having handed a track to this guy, <laughs> okay. So we get there, and I try to just keep this guy at bay and whatever, and then finally I'm there, and sure enough, as he's t- taking my, my whole thing and ringing it up, there's a stack of Falls Baptist tracks this big. <laughs> and I say, well, what's one more? <laughs> ah, okay. So you get done, and bang, you give her that track, and out, the, you go as fast as you can, and oh, this faithfulness is going to kill me, but... If it does, I'm faithful. Amen? Never mind the fact that we forgot about this guy over here that was talking to us. And bottom line is, we don't really want to be led of the Spirit. We don't really want to know where God's moving. We just want to have to do what we have to do. And then we spiritualize that. And uh, testimony time. Well, I... mm. I handed out a track at Walmart the other day, and I just noticed that there was a stack of tracks this big at her desk. I think we're getting through. <laughs> now, I'm not saying don't hand out the track at the attendant at Walmart, but you know, the Lord may want you to give a track this way and this way. That's not against the rules. The deal is, we need to follow the Lord being led of the Spirit, being filled with faith, having already resolved that morning when we got up and met with the Lord, Lord, I'm yours today. You can lead me today wherever. Help me to be prepared with a word of witness. If it's the teller, fine. If it's not the teller, if it's the guy who's waiting for his wife on the bench at Walmart and I'm waiting for my wife too, maybe that's the guy. Oh, I tell you, folks, sometimes we don't think in terms of faith at all. You know what the just be faithfulness does? It takes out the expectation of my life. Just be faithful removes the standard and the goal. Just be faithful flat out appeals to my flesh. It's the unbelief that's killing us, killing our churches. I'm finding, as I'm traveling, a lot of churches don't go soul winning at all anymore. And if they do, it is a program that is about as rote as you could get. You come in, grab your tract, you go out, you knock your few doors, and there's no expectation. It's simply, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Oh, folks, I'm telling you what. Here's what needs to happen when you go soul winning. You need to be seeking God for a divine appointment. And when you get that divine appointment, you don't just walk back to the church with that card and just hand it into some office to get uh, put out on some print sheet so someone else can follow up. You got to see, too, that maybe if it's a different age bracket, you make sure it gets handed off. Or you make sure you follow through, make it a smooth transition. Sometimes, folks, we're going through motions. Oh, I got a great contact. I'm going to hand it to pastor. Here, pastor, here's a great contact. Okay, bye. And of course, we know that pastor is going to give it to the secretary. Secretary is going to input it in the computer. That's going to pop out on a Sunday school table, and uh, you know it's going to be glorious, and they're going to be here, and I don't have to worry about it ever again. I'm being a good faithful. Baptist. Folks, are you faithful? Are you faithful? Filled with faith. Are you willing to take some risks like these individuals took risks? Do you really know your Lord? I think we do. I think we do know our Lord. I think we do know He is the Lord of the harvest. I think we do know that He said promises like, greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. I think we do know that we are supposed to bear fruit as he is working through us. I think we do know the heart of our father and I think we will be held responsible for it. Oh, I tell you, we're not willing to take risks. Here's this guy with five and a guy with two. And they said, Lord, thank you for this trust. Now, here we go. That, humanly, was not smart. (laughs) And we say, we can't take risks. The Lord puts upon some pastor's heart a certain program or a certain, a certain uh, evangelistic endeavor, but it's risky. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not saying just take blind risks, but I do believe in taking Holy Spirit-led risks. That is faith. And you say, oh, but what if we fail? We might look really, really dumb. That's up to God if he led you What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 4? We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise. We care too much about our faces. We care too much about everything succeeding, and we manipulate our own success. We make sure things work, and if something doesn't work, we'll spin it to make it look like it worked. Oh, I tell you, we are so clever in our ways of rank unbelief. And our faith is under absolute attack. And some young guy with a lot of youthful zeal is out there doing something for God, and some old guy puts his arm around him and says, now, brother, I used to be young like that and youthful and have a lot of zeal too, but I don't want you to be hurt. So let me go ahead and help you so you won't be hurt. Brother, God God doesn't expect you to do that. And you don't need to pray like that. And brother, brother, you just need to be faithful and here, watch me. You know, I wonder, was there a just-be-faithful Baptist in the crowd when Elisha walked up with the mantle of Elijah, reared back and said, where's the God of Elijah? And some just-be-faithful Baptist in the crowd said, oh, son, son, don't do that. No, no. Oh, please, bless his heart. Come here, son. No, you're about to make a horrible fool of yourself. Not everybody has to be Elijah. Oh, I would love to see the guy when Joshua looked at the sun for crying out loud and said, stand still. Oh, oh, Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. No, 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 no. Don't you know that's an impossibility? That's never going to happen. You've got all these people looking at you. And what would Moses say? No, no, Joshua, that is not necessary. No, but there are some older men who are going forward in faith. Give me men like Caleb, 85 years old. Give me that mountain. You say, oh, well, yeah, I could do that too if my strength hadn't failed like his. Well, wait, whose strength? Who gave him that strength? That was not his strength that he mustered up. That was strength that came down from God. And it's the same strength that we can be endued with. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is sufficient. We make our God small when we make these excuses. Faith always finds a way in, but unbelief will find ten ways out. Faith has an answer. But all I tell you, excuse can give you uh, uh, unbelief can give you is excuses after excuses after excuses. This is what kills our evangelism. This is what kills our follow-up. This is what kills our soul winning. This is what kills our church plans. This is what kills our churches. It's the subtle sin of unbelief. We're on that ship. We're coasting, and we don't even realize we're in wicked sin. Moreover, it is required of a man that he be found faithful. Simple message here this afternoon, folks, but I want us to ask an honest question of the Lord. Lord, am I faithful or am I faithful? Am I sitting back trying to just be faithful till Jesus comes or am I willing to take spirit-led risks for his name? Spirit-dependent steps of faith. I tell you what, folks, what God wants is a holy, Spirit-led abandonment. Can I say it this way? A holy, Spirit-led, Spirit-dependent recklessness. That might seem to overstate the case, but I want to just emphasize the Holy Spirit-led part, and the rest will be fine. It may seem reckless at times to someone who does not walk by faith when we see someone else who is. God wants us to deal with our unbelief. May God take the mask off. Lord, I pray that you would help us here to take this simple passage of Scripture and these simple truths. and Lord, would you unmask our unbelief God, I pray you would lead us to walk by faith. Lord, deal with us about our pride where we're not willing to admit to our unbelief. Lord, lead us to your fountain of strength that's never going to run dry. Lord, for someone who's discouraged in here, who's given up, I pray that you would encourage them to once again fall upon your grace Oh, Lord, would there be a cleansing, I pray today, for Jesus' sake. Heads bowed and eyes closed. We do have a few minutes, just, to get, just a couple minutes to allow the Lord to work. How many would say, preacher, God has dealt with me here in this session. God has unmasked some unbelief. I've got to deal with it. Pray for me. Amen. Since we do have a few minutes, I'd like to take some time. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Van to to lead the invitation, but I I think we should take some time. Call it what God calls it. Dr. Jim's message, saying the same thing about our sin as what God says about it. If we say it's faithfulness, but God says it's wickedness, we've got to agree with God. As God deals, would you do business? Pastor Van.